Hey everybody, welcome back to another fantastic episode from the Northeast Ohio Studios in lovely Count St. Germainville. It's This Uncanny Earth with your hosts Rob and my main man Spider. Hey, and I'm going to dig in the applause for it too because I figured you know, might as well. I like to be applauded. How about you? Let's do it. Dun, 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 dun. Hey. So yeah, This Uncanny hey, Earth, everybody. episode 23. 23? It's like that movie 23. Oh no, ah. now I'm going to see it everywhere. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I don't actually sure. hate Jim Carrey. I just know where that went. I I don't know. It wasn't funny. I had no I have nothing. Let's edit that out and so like everybody it. can start right now. Hey, we're going to start the show. Hey, how's everybody doing? Hey, from <laughs> Northeast Ohio Studios, Concert Jermaine. Blah blah blah. This is Getty Earth. Dave. Robin Spider. <clears throat> anyway, so today we're going to talk to you about societies of secrecy or Ooh, secret societies. Illuminati. Now, <clears throat> before we get into this, let me jump off of the definition. And that's an organization whose members are sworn to secrecy about its activities. And also, before we jump into this, let me differentiate between secret societies and cults. Because I know sometimes people will call a secret society a cult. And in some cases, mm-hmm. they, they can uh, intermingle. So let's start with cult. Cults are organizations that use tactics of mind control. Um, that is their defining characteristics. And they deprive members of their freedom and advise people to cut ties with family and friends. If you go back to an earlier episode of This Uncanny Earth, we actually talked about cults. So if you need your cult fix or you need a cult classic, as it were, hey. jump on back. Um, now, secret societies, those are a bit more fraternal uh, with confidentiality agreements, so to speak. They also see most members as equals and allow people to rise equally with one another. Wisdom is shared and outside family members are viewed as an important aspect of the society, such as in masonry. Family members come first. So just a little bit of uh, before we jump into it for people to say, hey, uh, oh, this is kind of like that cult. No, but there are. And, and I'm going to get into this later mm. on in the, in, in the show. But there's a couple um Secret societies that that are one secret society in particular that has cultish like behaviors, so they can't intermingle here. So right. they can they can delve into uh, into one another. Another big so. difference too is that cults in general are usually about external control. Um, they'll have a lot of internal uh, secrecy and stuff, but their their main goal generally is to control something about either their their environment or their country or their people or something like that. Where secret societies might branch into that kind of stuff like Illuminati kind of thing like we'll get into a little bit later but their most of their thing is internal mostly they want to keep things within within the family so to speak they want to keep things to themselves they don't want the general people right. to know much about them they don't want anybody to know whereas a cult doesn't really mind so much of people know what they are but they just don't want to be bothered so interesting also differences a key, uh, a key element too in, in difference factor is that with secret societies they usually pay dues, like you pay a, a monthly or a yearly due. And in cults, you usually just pay, like, you, you give everything to the cult. So if you, you sell your house, you give the money to the cult, as we've seen with the Jim Jones tragedy. Mm. Whereas, whereas the Masons, you just pay a, a yearly due. Now, I'm not sure what that what the, what the due is on that, but um, that's just another aspect, so to speak. So if you're looking right. to join something, if you're looking to join the Freemasons, hey, more power to you, but if you're looking to join uh, 
Johnny Rebels Cult Services, I'm probably <laughs> advise you to stay away from that one. So another thing too is um, secret societies aren't always up to no good most of the time. Like uh, there are uh, the Masons for for one thing, they do have their things of secrecy, but they're a lot different than what they used to be. I mean, there's a lot of people who tell you Freemason Masonic plot, blah blah, Alex Jones <laughs> buy my iodine and stuff like that. But the the Masons are buy my iodine. They're older guys. They're just it's like a social club. It, they don't do any of that kind of stuff much anymore. If there is like a secret like branch of Masons now that's still doing that. It's so secret that I don't think you'd ever find them. Um, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's one of those funny things where they wanted everybody to think that, and so they all the front cover is the uh, is the old guys. But I don't think so. As opposed and to somebody you. like um, like uh, uh, think, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm talking more about secret side secret societies in general. There's a oh, lot of uh, negative ones where. Uh, I oh, guess the might, Illuminati is one, but but we'll talk or, or more maybe, about those. Uh, maybe um, what was the uh, what was Alistair Crowley's group? Um, not the Golden Dawn necessarily. I mean, he was the in the one. Golden Dawn, but he was um, in another one. Too. The OTO, like, the Ordo Templaria, Order Orientis. Yeah. yeah, I always remember. Forget what that last letter stands for. I know it's Ordo Templaria. Ah, well, dead languages, you know. Right. They, I, I think they, they think that having it in Latin makes it cool. And I'm like, no, it just makes it hard to say. <laughs> but that was but, another but, thing that plays into secret societies. If you didn't right. know, obviously you weren't meant to know, right? You weren't in well, on the secret. very nice. Yeah, and so you don't get in on that society, I guess. That's right. But, and, and that's what I wanted to differentiate. Like, when I was going through my notes today and I was doing my studying, I was like, well, I think maybe people that are listening might... Uh, be able to, to to pull in cults with this, and in in some instances, like we'll talk about Opus Day later on, they do have some cult ish kind of standards, but it's not all the way cult. Like they have a good mm. mix of not good in terms of like yeah, that's the best, but good like their mixers you know, are good amazing. Example <laughs> the cult the cult ish the cult life here is great, <laughs> but but we'll cult see. Life. We'll, we'll, hey. <laughs> did MTV ever do a show called This Cult Life? They should. They should have. Actually, you know what? Because they did a show about the Amish, about being yeah. Amish, right? Which isn't a cult. I'm, I don't say that to make people think that it's a cult necessarily. But it's just, it, it's a fringe group, at least, you know, these days. But um, I bet you could have done, like, a, if you could find one that wasn't going to immediately try to cut your tongue out for talking about it. That's the one I want to see, though. <laughs> okay. So let's jump right into this. Um, the first one I'm going to do, and there's not really a lot of information on this one because it's very old, is the Brotherhood of the Snake. Ooh, now, this one choice. is one of the earliest, earliest secret societies, and it was founded roughly in 300,000 BCE, and that's before Common Era. On this show, I'm going to be doing a lot of BCE, BC, or AD. It just depends the source material I'm getting it from. So <clears throat> if, you're, if you're a person that's going to get all upset about it, you don't have to listen to the show. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm just letting you guys know. Uh, but 300,000 BCE, or it was taken over by evil spirits, aliens slash gods. Now, if we go back to our very first episode, which was ancient aliens, we talked about uh, Sumeria, Mesopotamia. Mm. Well, this is where the society supposedly originated from. Now, 
This is the pre 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 precursor to the New World Order after um, it was taken over. And it has had its fangs in every major secret society to date. So we're talking about Freemasons, Illuminati, uh, Priory of the Scion, Opus Dei, all of them, supposedly. Now, obviously, this is hearsay. We have no physical proof that this society even exists. It was created by A. I think that's how you pronounce it, E-A. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, E-A was a a Uh, Sumerian... One of the, the creator gods, I believe. Yeah. And and his father, Anu, mm-hmm. and they opposed the enslavement of spiritual beings. Now, after it was taken over, of course, by, like I said, spirits, aliens, or gods, depending on who you go to, you might go to Sukalos and he might tell you, yes, it was the, 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 the aliens and the gods and did the same thing. He might tell you that they took it over. But supposedly it was taken over and it was used to just commit evil. Uh, there's not really much evidence of it. Now, I know when I did some research today, they actually have a website for it. And I was just reading it, and it read more like something out of the uh, the, the satanic temple than it did any it really is solid information on what they were about. I know there was just a lot of people saying, oh, you want to, we want to wield power and all that. And it felt more like a cartoon than it did a, an actual real life thing so you can check out the website all it was was just some a couple lines or, or phrases from them and then a message board like directly underneath a forum if you will directly underneath and all it kept saying was the same like five paragraphs from every person like an initiation type of thing mm-hmm. so I, I don't know um, they probably have zero ties they might have ties to that society but the evidence for this one is really hard to come by just because it's so old and a lot of it's hearsay because then, like, you jump into Egypt and supposedly it was there in Egypt, too. And then you jump into uh, Greece and supposedly it was mm-hmm. working its way there as well. So it, th- this one's a little bit tougher. But the very first secret society, the Brotherhood of the Snake. There you go. Good deal. Um, we're going to go from uh, from that one, which is a little obscure for a lot of people, into the one that's obviously the most pop culture friendly that everybody knows about. Everybody is a member, even if you don't know it. It's on our money. It's on our television shows. It's everywhere. It's everybody's favorite, the Illuminati. The Boy Scouts? Oh, the Boy Scouts of America. Yay. Um, it's not allowed to be called the Boy Scouts, so it's just the Scouts, because they lost that lawsuit. Uh, oh, man. Well, Let's not get into that, because that's some controversy. People are going to be like, oh, well, what about... Oh, no, no, no. We're no, not talking no, about that. No, this isn't the show for that. <laughs> That part is true. Yes. They gotta be scouts now, but yes. I'm not. You know, let's let's skip that. We're Illuminati, Illuminati, and uh, everybody who's anybody has probably heard the term Illuminati, especially in conspiracy theory stuff, because everybody wants to blame the Illuminati for everything. The Illuminati is supposed to be, and I'm gonna tell everybody what it's supposed to be first before what it actually was and how it originated. It's supposed to be. A globe-spanning organization headed by bankers, heads of state, and uh, and deep state operatives who are um, who actually control the planet behind the backs of every other legitimate government on Earth, and that everything that happens in the entire world is done by the Illuminati, and um, and that we're in a constant state of war to keep us from realizing that, which is pretty interesting. I mean. 
there's no way to prove that or to prove against it. It's one of those, well, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. But um, I kind of doubt it myself because having the coordination between that many cultures, I think, would be a bit much. But, you know, whichever. Um, what the Illuminati began as and what it probably ended as before the name was taken, it was a group it was called the Bavarian Illuminati. It was an Enlightenment-era secret society founded in 1776. And its goals were to obs- oppose superstition, obscurantism, which I'm going to skip to find out what that is real quick here. It's the practice <laughs> of deliberately presenting information in an imprecise and uh, and false manner, uh, often, often designed to forestall further inquiry and understanding. So... If the, if this Illuminati existed, first off, just to diverge a little bit, they would find internet trolling to be the absolute worst thing that you could do, and false, like, fake news would be, like, they would hate it. It probably wouldn't exist to the level it does right now, because, you know, if they could control all those things about it, I think they would have done something about it by now. So that's right there is just evidence that we don't have that Illuminati around anymore. But the original was against that, against superstition, and against religious influence over public life and abuses of state power. So the Bavarian Illuminati would be against a good many big important things that are actually going on in the world that people try to point to as evidence of the Illuminati. They wouldn't be interested in this Islamic state. They wouldn't be interested in that to to try to, you know, the wars for that to control people. Because I've heard that said. I've heard it said that the deep state funds the Islamic state to... To breed chaos to keep the industrial machine alive, and if it does, it's not the Illuminati. There you go. There's your evidence right there. I'm declaring it right now for everybody. Not the Illuminati. And um, they were basically for the advancement of pure knowledge, and they felt that the reason that they had to keep that secret was because everyday people didn't always have the logical capacity to use that knowledge correctly. And they felt that they were the only ones intelligent enough, smart enough, and, and capable enough of using that knowledge to its fullest and for and for actually taking care of their fellow man. Um, but like I said, nowadays, today's Illuminati are accused of every bad boogeyman kind of thing possible on the planet. Anything bad that could happen that is slightly questionable it's just like hmm well that doesn't make sense why would they do this oh it's the Illuminati it's an Illuminati <laughs> plot it's the deep state and they're making the frogs homosexual and then they're blah blah blah, blah, blah fluoride in the water <laughs> so <laughs> it ties into last it, week's episode <laughs> and and, the, and I'm gonna jump in here too because uh, Spider here forgot to mention who founded it I oh think good that's call a very important thing our good friend Adam Weishaupt yes. is the man who founded that in on May 1st, 1776. Now, Mr. Weishaupt, of course, was uh, was killed. And he was found out by some soldiers. Mm-hmm. They found his documents, and that's how we know the original Illuminati. Wasn't Not he connected the, to, the, uh, to the Templars in some fashion? Freemasons. And, and I'll get into that when I get into Freemasonry, but he, yeah, he was he was connected to well, supposedly he was connected to them and the Rosicrucians. 
And we'll also get into that later, too. Which are really um, interesting folks. Those people are still around. Now, now, when we were talking about ones that aren't harmful, mm-hmm. that is a group that isn't harmful. And like I said, I'll, I'll get into all that uh, later. But yeah, the Bavarian Illuminati. Now, I, I, I think the reason the, the Illuminati was, was pretty much killed off, and now I'm not talking about the, the, well, the FEMA camps. They're coming. They came in today and they <laughs> took my house. I'm living in a FEMA camp. I think the reason why is because during that time, the Catholic Church was a big entity. And the Illuminati, because Adam Weishaupt himself knew religion, but he later on became an atheist, but he was still like kind of studying the Jesuit ideas. And so once people found out, oh, because the, the Illuminati wanted to um, eschew the, the idea of, of religion ruling over folks, as Spider you know, had said, and the church got wind of it. And the church was such a big entity for that time. It still is in that in that part of the world. Hmm. That I think they pretty much hunted every member down. Oh no, you know what? I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm one hundred percent wrong about something. I'll admit it right here. He didn't die. He got caught and they tried to kill him and he ended up living in Germany until his death. So that was my fault. I made a mistake. You heard it here first, I admit it. But Weishaupt lived. He lived, ended up dying in Germany. I forget what the date was on that. But yeah, he didn't get killed. They had found his documents and um his documents had all the information in it about uh, just pretty much the workings of the Illuminati and uh, what what it stood for and, and what they thought it should actually stand for. And parts of it um, is actually, I, you know, I here it is. Yeah, let me give it to you folks real quick. Um, so the, the French authorities believe the secret society uh, known as the Illuminati was a huge threat and they ordered the prosecution of all members of both Illuminati and the Freemasons. Weishaupt and his family managed to escape persecution and lived in Gotha, Germany until his death in 1830. So I was wrong. Like I said, I'm going to keep saying it until folks mm-hmm. are like, hey, I can't say that. We make some, make some errors. I mm-hmm. had thought it was killed. It was his messenger in 1784 that was struck by lightning. So not him. But it was his messenger. So, so you could make the connection if you wanted to really start bringing some some uh, Illuminati grade uh, conspiracy theories. You could say that because he's escaped persecution, that perhaps he did live completely, and maybe he's still living today as Count Saint Germain. Believe it or not, there's a person we're going to talk about. Oh, yep, give it to him. Give it to him. No, 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 I'm going to let you do it. I was just like, I was prepared for it. I was like, ha ha, yeah, do it. Um, there's a person we're going to talk about later on that actually could be Count St. Germain. So there, there's actually a person that I'm going to bring up later that actually could be the man, the myth, the legend, Count. Alive Saint today, Germain. the homie St. Germain? Oh, man. The homie. That's the homie, the homie. for life. <laughs> <laughs> I pour one out, but I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> well, don't do that. Uh, Saint Germain would want you to waste it. Like if he that. shows up, I'll gladly offer him a, a, a glass here. If he just knocks on my door Good right call. now, I'm like, nice. "Hey, uh, I heard you talking about me on the radio, and you said I could get a free drink." <laughs> and you know me, I like to go to the free drink down here at the Hellmouth. Saint Germain drinks free <laughs> tonight. Fogoth the Untamed. Hey. Are they untamed? Off the chain. So here we are, folks, again at another episode of where we're just going off the rails here. Yeah. 
I think these are the best episodes, honestly. Just because uh, it, it's it's more roundtable, it's more discussion, it's more it's less us like, okay, class, please sit down and listen to us explain <laughs> the ins and outs of cult theory, and it's more just like, hey, let's have a talk. Let's talk about secret societies in, and things. In seventeen seventeen. <laughs> When the the banking industry was at its biggest, the loan process, you're just like. <laughs> so Illuminati, go back to your Illuminati. Yeah, Illuminati. Um, and they get blamed for everything. Seriously, like any time that you're listening to any conspiracy theory kind of show where there's a shadowy organization, Men in Black work for the Illuminati. Black helicopters work for the Illuminati. Um, we didn't go to the moon because the Illuminati don't want us to know. We they have a secret base on the moon, obviously. Um, the we world is flat the moon, because the Illuminati live underneath it in a special underdome, and you know, then Mad Max comes we around and turns it into the Thunderdome, and I don't know. But um, <laughs> we we actually we actually landed on the moon, but there's aliens there that the Illuminati doesn't want us to see. The Earth is actually round, but the Earth, but the Illuminati introduced flat Earth so that people <laughs> would think the Earth's flat, and so they would fight. And you see how it goes? It it can go either way. People can turn any theory into an Illuminati theory. And um, they do have, they did have a symbol. I mean, the symbol of the Illuminati was the eye in the pyramid because it was an all-knowing eye. Because one of the things that they believed was that the pyramids were created by a precursor version of themselves made up of uh, of Freemason um, genius people with a lot of Mm -hmm. secrets and things. And so the eye in the pyramid is is a reference to that, and it got printed on our money, which is interesting stuff. And um, that in the background is not the Illuminati; it's my child's toy, just going off because it can. Um, anybody who has children's toys know that some of them are obviously possessed by evil spirits, and they'll just or play by the Illuminati. Way. Yeah, or by the Illuminati because they're obviously using evil spirits against me. Uh, they and they're actually trying to trying to thwart our show. The Illuminati doesn't want us talking about them. See that? That's right. See, um, they don't have any men in black to spare, so they they went psychically through my child's door. Well, the government shutdown really hurt those guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be part of a shadow deep state government, then the government has to be open, right? <laughs> what? Da, da. Now, Man, I can't requisition a black helicopter today. Are you serious? Oh. Now, I want to just... (laughs) Here come the furloughed men in black. Oh, they're off. They're not coming today. It just shows them Um, on the couch for the whole movie. Just like, so, um... You get any calls today? No. They're they're flashing each other with the flashy thing. (laughs) So it only seems like a day that they've been out of work when it's like three weeks. Um, Now, before before Spider continues, I just want to drop some, some names real quick of... Illuminati bloodlines, and I'm sure if Alex Jones listening, he's gonna be like, "Yeah, that's right, I knew it, I know." Uh, Aster, as in John Jacob Aster, Dupont, um, Rockefeller, who everybody thinks is the devil, and maybe he is, I don't know. Kennedy, everybody knows who Kennedy is, and Onassis. There's there's a lot of other people, but yep. I wanted to put out the real the real famous ones. Um, if nobody knows who Onassis is, Jackie Onassis, Kennedy's John Kennedy's wife. Um, their family was into shipping magnet, married into the Kennedy family, all that jazz. The Rothschilds so, are supposed to be because they got money. Are they? Yep. Yeah. J.P. Morgan. Some dude named Lee, mm-hmm. the high-powered Chinese family that controls much of Hong Kong, part of a group called the Triads. Mm-hmm. Another secret society, actually. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of people think that um, that 
secret societies are all Freemasons and, and Illuminatis, but actually the La Cosa Nostra or the Mafia is actually a secret society. That's true, because they tell people not to tell anybody about what yep. they do, who they are, and if you're a snitch, then you get a stitch, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. If but you're usually lucky. you're not, and you get many stitches. You get a horse's get... head in your bed, and then you just make oh, a fake accident. Oh, really oh, you get, oh, you get yourself put in some cement shoes and dropped off the pier. That's right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> now we're doing accents. This show right. just evolved into... Devolved into into accents and and shenanigans. Obviously. Shenanigans. That's what we should just call it. Somebody would have to get but, pistol whipped, and we can't do that on a show. It's a family show. Farva. It, only if it was Farva. <laughs> <laughs> okay, All right. So, so Illuminati. Come on, get back into Illuminati. it here. I think it covered it pretty well because the Illuminati, like I said, they're everybody's favorite boogeyman, and um, and they were obviously just a, a small group. They they. They broke up after a little while because of, of persecution, Aww. and nobody from their of their core group survived to make another group like it. I mean, there were different people who incorporated some of its ideas, but no other group has been exactly like that since then. And all of the versions that you hear about the Illuminati are nothing like what it was. So, no. you know, I uh, there's not much more to be said about it. Like I said, everybody's favorite boogeyman, the Illuminati, and... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame anything in life on the Illuminati from now on. Just for fun. Like, Good call. I stub my toe. Oh, the Illuminati! They're in my house. My daughter won't eat her food. Oh man, the Illuminati got to you. You're not gonna eat your potatoes. Oh man. So you know, and then launch into yeah. how the famine in Ireland with, with potatoes was the Illuminati, obviously trying to starve them to death. <laughs> Man, see, you could do anything with that. Could. But that's it. You, Illuminati, exit stage left. You're done. <laughs> it took all that time. I wonder if it was the Illuminati trying to waste all this time. I know. They don't want us to actually tell people about real legitimate organizations. I'm going to talk about one of the most famous organizations of all time. The, the most famous secret society ever. Ever. In the history of, of the world, probably. Um the one most known and most under scrutiny, and that would be that's right, the Freemasons. Who yes. are tied into the Illuminati. <laughs> so, the Freemasons are actually uh, based off stonemasons from uh, medieval Europe, and they were just a bunch of guys at the beginning that were looking to help each other out, so if, say, like, Spider and I are Masons and he, he gets hurt, I can help, you know, help him out, me and a couple brothers help him out when while he's laid up in the bed and helped take care of his family so originally that's what it started off as it started off as just some guys like a union came together mm-hmm. and uh they, and, and for first it was just stonemasons there wasn't anybody else it was just stonemasons and, and men and they wanted strictly... to protect their their knowledge of masonry so that they yes. didn't they were still in demand they didn't want someone else to to take into that business and make it widespread because then they'd lose their prestige, they'd lose... Because architects were a big deal back then. Yes. And stonemasons were frequently architects. I mean, you you did all that work. You were really in demand. Like, the cathedrals, the, the castles, the everything. So being a mason was a, a real big deal. And if that became a common thing, if anybody could do that, nobody had any power. Mm-hmm. Now, by the 18th century, that changed. 
And Masons became folks who just wanted to build spiritually, symbolically, and allegorically. Now, where do we get? Where do Masons get their history from? Well, that's a good question. They get their history from a man named Mr. Hiram Abiff. Now, Mr. Abiff was a stonemason who aided in building the Temple of Solomon. If anybody knows about the Temple of Solomon, it is now under um, Islamic control. And it sits right smack dab in the, in the middle of the, the Arab-Israel world. And Jews say they own it, Arabs say they own it, and it's just a big, it's a big struggle over there. And we're not going to pick sides here. That's not what the show's mm-hmm. about, but just kind of giving you some backdrop on that. Um, so he's murdered. I, Abif gets murdered because what he what he did, so there were so many people working at this temple that he wanted to make sure people got paid the wages they deserved and no man earned more than he should. So what he did is he set up three different degrees of workers. So he set up you know, levels of how good of a mason you were with him being the master mason because he, you know, he was the one who was really engineering this whole thing and putting it all together. So what happened was uh, some, some gentlemen didn't feel like they were getting the money they deserved, so they wanted to go up in their degrees. Well, Hiram didn't want them going up in their degrees because he saw them as being um, incapable of actually doing the job that was required of a higher degree stonemason. So they killed him for it. And what Stabbed you him see in the back is, from remember, isn't it? Yep. And there's a play. Now, th- this is this is the key thing about Freemasonry. There's actually a play where they do this. It's a symbolic play. You know, they don't actually stab some dude in the back. Mm. But it's symbolic. And they show the, the murder of Hiram Abiff. And that's, like, the main thing that the members see. And going back to the Illuminati, <laughs> they worked hey, their way hey. back in. The all-seeing eye above the pyramid is also a Freemason reference. The all-seeing eye being the eye of God above the pyramid that is incomplete. And the reason it is incomplete because it is actually the Temple of Solomon. And the all-seeing eye could also be Hiram Abiff overseeing it, but never getting a chance to actually finish it since Abiff was murdered well before the temple was finished. So we have a little bit of of, of intermingling there. And and you're going to see that a lot with secret societies. You're going to see that with Freemasons, Illuminati. You're going to see it with the Rosicrucians. Any type of larger secret society has members that were in other secret societies. It wasn't just like, oh, he's a Freemason, so he's not an Illuminati. No. At times, they could be interchangeable. Mm -hmm. And the thing with the Illuminati, again, they're coming back in, um, that I wanted to mention real quick. Is that they believed that they are they they wanted to hide within other groups so that people couldn't really differentiate them. So they thought, well, we're going to hide in the Freemasons because at that time Freemasonry wasn't as frowned upon as it as it later on became. Because later on, we'll see that John Quincy Adams actually headed up the anti or, or at one time was was a, a head of the anti Masonic Party and also a president of the United States. Because they had felt that the the, the uh, Freemasons were were um, sort of uh, infiltrating the presidency, and George Washington, our very first president, was an actual Freemason. Mm-hmm. And there's things and, and a and, lot and, of the founding actually, fathers were. There's actually a picture, um, and any folks here can go Google it or, or look it up online. You can use Ask Jeeves if Ask Jeeves is still out there. 
mm-hmm. and you can pull up a picture of George Washington wearing wearing the apron, the lambskin apron with his trowel and spade. And basically, there you go. So you'll have your your, your Freemason. Interesting um, thing too: a lot of people have relatives that are Masons these days, um, mm-hmm. and and there, like, there's no way you can accuse some of these people of being part of some shadowy secret like Illuminati. Oh boy, like my grandfather was a Mason. That's when you bring that up. My great grandfather was a Mason, see? and his wife was an Eastern Star. Now, what an Eastern Star is, it was the women's version mm-hmm. of the Masons. Now, I didn't really do a lot of um, studying on that one today, but I think for a future episode, we can bring it up because I mean, this this kind of stuff it's interchangeable with other topics. For instance, um, Bohemian Grove, which I which I also didn't uh, plan on bringing up Spider Mite, but I didn't. We can use that on a future episode about presidents and and their ties to conspiracies and stuff like that. So mm. that's just a, a little something out there. But yeah, like Spider said, you know, not every single Mason you meet is like I'm here for the world domination. But you just you just you just coach a little league team. I know I'm going to use them for the world domination. I'm training them as my soldiers. <laughs> they so, can hit a ball, they'll know what to do. And 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 people be be careful about online folks that go into these tirades about. The Freemasons being like the arm of Satan, you know. I'm sure there's probably been some folks, and we're going to get into that, and I'm going to get into that here in a bit about Freemasonry. There, there are some scandals mm-hmm. involved, but I think anytime you have a, a large secret society and a, a, a good amount of members, you're going to have some 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 issues. So the funny thing about Freemasonry too is that uh, a lot of people seize on the idea that they they didn't want to bring. Um, they they didn't want to bring religious like stuff. They didn't want to be people who were blindly religious, and people think that that's anti-religious. They start thinking, oh, Freemasons are, are atheists, but they're not. They actually the 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 great architect that's supposed to be the the ultimate head of Freemasonry is supposed to be God, the, the Christian or Jewish God or however you want to look at it. And um, and a lot of them are, are quietly religious people. They're quietly religious well, in the fact that they don't go around door to door. They don't, you know, they don't go preaching on street corners or anything, whether crazy or otherwise. And um, they're just, they're quiet about it, and they'll talk about it if you ask them about it. Or they'll go to a quiet little country church somewhere. But they're not atheists. Some of them probably are, but most of them aren't. actually, actually, they're not, you're not allowed to be. So when you join the Masons, you have to have a belief in a higher power. It doesn't have to be, uh, Jesus doesn't have to be. Allah doesn't mm. have to be Buddha, any of that. It can be who you choose. You know, it's your, it's your own being. Because at these at these Masonic meetings, religion isn't discussed because they mm. view people uh, by as your being able to have yeah they they view you as being able to have your own religious ideals. But the reason they want you to believe in a higher power is because they want you to ascend beyond yourself and sort of become something close to that higher power but not that higher power so to speak because the higher power is the archetype of what you should achieve something you should strive for but you know you'll never become but you'll do what you can to get to a point as close as you can so now in June 1717 in London the four messianic lodges met at the Goose and Gridiron Tavern they established the Grand Lodge of London and Westminster and this will later become the Grand Lodge of England. So this will be the big old boy. Now, mm. there's two um, Masonic Rites groups, so to speak. There's the York Rite, and there's the Scottish Rite. 
and each of these rites has its own separate kind of degrees and, and concepts and beliefs and um, it, it, it builds on on uh, on other sort of concepts within masonry but they're pretty much the same they just have a couple different uh, ideas and, and and ways to achieve degrees and things of that but but the, the Masonic traditions are, are all there mm-hmm. now Masonic meetings back in the 1700s weren't um, as as lavish, or their their meeting halls weren't as lavish as they are now. There wasn't the ornate symbolism that was everywhere, the the, the nice furniture, the the big meeting halls, that sort of thing. It was basically just guys hanging out in in taverns or things of that nature, just just talking, not not having these big plays and things like that. Because that's what a lot of masons do now. They put on these really nice pageantry plays and. They might be in parades and things of that. They they dress all up and they have all kinds of sword like or, or, ornamental swords and things like that. And it, it's really interesting. They wear their aprons. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if if anybody in our chat rooms or anywhere else has seen those um, those aprons, but they have different designs. So they'll have like what maybe the lodge there on there, and they'll have the some symbols such as the, the compass, the square, and the compass, right, mm-hmm. right, and maybe the plumb bob and all that. So just uh. That, that, that's how you can usually tell that they're masons, but they didn't always have that. You know that that came on a lot later. An interesting thing is, and it's hard to verify any of this actual history because a lot of it was adopted later. But some of the things that they've said in order to support it being more than just themselves as a as a more recent organization is uh, they've stretched it back into early Christianity times, into the founding of Christianity, by saying that uh, that Jesus and Joseph and his father Joseph were car- were carpenters, so that they were technically masons of their time and um even before that to imhotep who created uh, who invented the modern pyramid and things um so you know it, they've created a history that's really rich and lavish how much of it is true is really interesting hard to say um but uh yeah it, it can seem kind of sinister and at other times it's kind of like okay well that's just really interesting how they do that and some of their the Scottish right can seem pretty grotesque because one of the yeah. the uh, one of the um, the punishments for revealing the the Masonic secrets is to have your tongue cut out. Yep. Um, you know, these days, how many people have you seen with no tongue? You know, so I mean, if Freemasonry was that degree of kind of like, then I think we'd see more people with their tongues out because people like to talk. Or they just get. Or they just disappear. Yeah. So, and if, now if you want to join the Masons, if you're listening to us talking, you're thinking, I like those Mason boys. I like to hang out with them. Uh, the first thing you got to do is uh, if you want to become a Mason, find a Mason. So seek one out and petition him to join. Say, hey, you know, I would like to join your organization. And then what will happen is you'll get investigated. And every lodge member, so if you go to like, there, there's a there's a Masonic lodge um close to where I live and if I would want to join there everybody that's at that lodge would have to approve me if even one person says no I can't come I can't I can't get in mm-hmm. and um, that's good you know and and I, th- I think that that actually shows more of camaraderie because if if one person doesn't agree and they still let that person in you're gonna start to create division so everybody has to agree which is which is a good idea and the fact that it's voted on is fantastic now if you get accepted, you're given a date to become an entered apprentice degree, so that's like the the, the, the bottom part. That's 
white belt level masonry. Mm. So you're not going to get your secrets. So Alex Jones, if you're thinking about joining to get secrets, you're not going to get it. You're going to have to work in the kitchen for a little while <laughs> and be mad about it. Um, now, like I said before, Masons must have a belief in the higher being. Atheists, once again, are prohibited from joining. So atheists, that's, you know, sorry about that. Now, there are also degrees. Now, what degrees are levels. And then each degree comes with a moral and spiritual lesson. Lessons a Mason must learn and understand in order to progress to the next level. Now, the Master Mason, that's the highest. And then when you get into your, your, your degrees, your 32nd, 33rd degree, that is more of a refinement of the Master Mason himself. And so, you know, when people, when you hear people say, I'm a 33 degree Scottish Rite Freemason, that person has worked their way up the, the social hierarchy of masonry. So they've, they've done the, the charity work, they've done the, the kitchen, scrubbing the pots and pans and, and doing a lot of that stuff because Freemasonry isn't all about world domination mm-hmm. and taking over the world. It's, it's frequently about, about soup kitchens and things. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's really about giving back to the community and, and, and helping people out. As many people believe that it's it's this, this shadowy organization, um, you know. And, and there are some things, like I said, I'll get into here in a bit about why that's the case. But as it stands, it's I don't know. So it's it's just like but, the Illuminati. It's something that gets blown out of proportion because it's a secret mm-hmm. society, and because they have things like the Scottish Rite that sounds so fearsome with the tongue cutting out and all that other kind of stuff. And and there's more to it than that. Like I'm not even getting to the real grotesque parts about it. Tongue cutting out, you're like, oh, there's more grotesque than that. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get buried in the sands or like where the ocean ebbs and flows and like it sits at tide and so the fish can like slowly chew at you and things like that. It, it gets pretty grotesque as a punishment. But I mean, obviously you haven't found anybody that does that these days. If it was widespread well, enough, hey. but you know, a little bit now, of intelligent debunking can go a long way. Now let's let's look at a couple symbols here. Uh, the all-seeing eye, once again, the Illuminati aspect of it, um, is is God over the pyramids. But in this part, um, it's it's really broken down into the uh, Kabbalistic view value of seventy plus three plus two hundred. Oh, excuse me, equaling two hundred and seventy-three, and that's the value of the phrase Eben Mosu Habonim. Gematria. Anybody remember that when I talked about that a couple weeks ago? Gematria. Right. Which means the stone which the builders refused. Now that equates to Hiram Obiff. He was said, you know, he 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 was the stone that the builders refused, meaning that he wasn't able to play his role because he was murdered. So, and 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 that uh, once again set above the 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 half finished pyramid, which was the temple essentially, Hmm. because the temple wasn't finished. Uh, we did talk about the apron, and the apron itself is a white lambskin apron, and it just means the purity of life, the rectitude of conduct, and honor of constructive work and sacrifice. The aprons are just worn to show pride in, in who you are as a mason. And a lot of times you'll see masons wear white gloves to go along with the with the aprons. and it's, it's, it's more of a symbol of purity than it is anything else. And then the most famous symbol, the one everybody sees and they're like oh it's the illuminati wait no it's not the illuminati rats the square and the compass the square teaches us that um just to square actions with mankind be it be it be a decent person 
be a good person, actually. The compass mm. teaches to circumscribe our desires and keep our passions in due bounds. So, other in, in other words, basically, um, keep yourself in check and do what you can to be a better person for mankind, more or less. And the G, because there's always the G there, it symbolizes either geometry or God. So one or the other. To some people, the sacred geometry was synonymous with God as the master architect. So there's a little bit of extra added layer there of is it true or not? Is it extra? Is it uh, is it secret hidden knowledge? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the men in black are on my door right now. <laughs> No, they their government shutdown. They couldn't afford. Oh, it. that's right, you're furloughed. <laughs> Sorry, man, black. You've been furloughed. Um, now, <laughs> because I know everybody's chomping at the bit to to, to hear this. We're now we're going to talk about some criticisms of Freemasonry. <clears throat> now, of course, because it's such a large organization, there's going to be some problems and issues and, and things of that nature that have come up. Um, now, of course, everybody Alex Jones types. They're going to say, you know, Freemasonry is evil. It's bad on world domination. Uh, Now, the funny thing here is that a Mr. Jim Mars, rest in peace, Mm -hmm. the the author of A Rule by Secrecy, I believe Spider lent me that book to read, if if that's the one, says that the ongoing connective tissue between the modern ancient secret societies has always been Freemasonry. And what he means by that is what we talked about earlier with the Illuminati being with the Illuminati member Adam Weishaupt being also a Freemason member. So he, that kind of ties everything all in. So, you know, you have some, your, your conspiracies are going to start overlapping. So when people say, uh, you know, it's the Illuminati doing it, they're, 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 they're not letting me drink my colloidal silver. And I was really looking forward <laughs> to having some colloidal silver. Uh, they're also going to tie the Freemasons in with that and say, well, the, the colloidal silver factory was shut down by some Freemasons yesterday. So <laughs> you have that. And and actually an, an interesting side note, Weishaupt actually joined the Masonic Lodge Theodore of Good Counsel in Munich in seventeen seventy seven. So just a little uh little info there. Now now I'm gonna get into some some deviousness here with the old Masons. Uh everybody's favorite pianist, Mozart and composer supposedly was murdered for divulging Masonic secrets in his piece, The Magic Flute. Now, I actually had a chance to sit down and watch The Magic Flute earlier today to kind of see where it was at with the with the Masonic um, uh, symbology. And, and there is some there, yes. Um, it wasn't enough for me to, to piece together because I'm not a Mason myself. So, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, outside looking in, so I'm only going to know so much. I can, there's only so many books I can read about and so much. I can understand, but um, <clears throat> that's that's just a, a, a high like speculation because Mozart he kind of owed money to a lot of people in Viennese society. So you know, people might have came from Mozart and said, "Hey, I, I need my whatever money they used, and I don't have it this week." Next thing you know, he's dead. Um, not to mention, he also made a lot of enemies of people in the imperial court, and he was a noted womanizer. So you have a plethora of uh, of, of things that could have happened to Mozart. Freemasonry, I think they, they wanted to just, because um, he was a Mason himself, 
He joined the order in 1784. But I think people just wanted to point the finger at the Masons. I don't really think they killed him. Um, they could have. They could have cut his tongue out and buried him in the sea and the fish and all that jazz. But mm. I think this was more that he got into it with some with the wrong crowd of people, and he owed some people some money, or you know he might have owed somebody in the imperial court some money, a hefty sum. We don't know. Now, the next thing, and this is where Spider's probably going to be. Like, <gasps> Dun, dun, this, dun. Yes, this is this is going to go along the lines of the tongue cutting out. So this is called the Morgan Affair. Now, William Morgan, he was a Mason who disappeared in 1826 while attempting to publish Masonic Secrets. Now, that act, as Spider told you folks, is unforgivable in Freemasonry. That's a free tongue cutting. Uh, it was this affair, actually, that created the anti-Masonic part- particle. It, it created the anti-Masonic particle that the Higgs boson uses hey. the anti uh, Masonic political party with uh, John Quincy Adams um, and so because of this um, this was a very big platform for the presidents to run because they 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 had uh, heard that uh, because this guy uh, Morgan had struck up a deal with with an editor David C. Miller who was also a disgraced Mason, Mason, not Mason. Mason. Right. I'm going to take it to the Mason's action line and then do some, <laughs> do some moonshine. Hey. <laughs> to, uh, so, so he gets with this other Mason that's basically disgraced, that's probably kicked out of the order. And he says, let's publish this and we'll get some money. Well, the last place this man was seen was being escorted out of town in the company of several men. Now, this was after he was arrested for, I believe, debt. I believe he owed some people some money. And so he was let out of town. Never heard from him again. Never saw again. Disappeared. And so that was kind of another thing where people said, ah, the Masons have done it. Now, that kind of thing, though, was occasionally, true. unfortunately, very common in uh, in, in times like that. Uh, especially any time where there was organized crime. I and mean, that still happens today some places. Yes. It's a lot more difficult to cover up anymore. But it, it, you still get plenty of times when people suddenly show up. Um, gang stalking is a thing. Gang stalking is a pretty serious thing these days. And um, and people think that they can get away with it. I mean, the age of the internet makes it kind of like, oh, everybody's being filmed. But still, it, it's not an uncommon thing that that happens, whether um, Masonic or otherwise. Now, so we have those two events that, that people are like, oh, Masons did it. But some other things that Masons have been tied to are Jack the Ripper, the French, American, and Russian Revolution, obviously the New World Order, and one of its members being the racist himself, Albert Pike. Now, if people are unfamiliar with who that is, he was a big, huge fan of the, the KKK, another secret society that we're not going to mm. get into well i'm not personally but. it's too politically charged we might talk yep. about it later uh, but hate groups aren't really paranormal a lot of the like the masonry there's a lot of stuff we can talk about that would tie into the kind of the paranormal theme that we're yep. going for mostly with the show but the kkk is just a hate group and there's right. nothing really idiots yeah there's nothing paranormal about them um kkk Derisit Antifa. Oh boy, gonna get some angry letters now. But I mean, again, it's stuff that we're not really gonna talk about because these are just political action groups. They're not. They're not paranormal in the least. Um, maybe the NOI in that, depending on 
how you view them. Um, but yeah, th- those groups, since they are hate groups, we're not going to get into that. I'm not, right. not going to jump into to discussing that. Now, I want to talk about some famous Freemasons. Um, real quick rundown. Harry Houdini, the magician, if nobody knows who that mm-hmm. is, but you should if you don't know who that is. Please go do some research because he dude was awesome. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover, of course, the FBI guy that liked to wear women's clothing. Um, Henry Ford of Ford fame. Nat King Cole, one of my favorite all-time singers. Beethoven, Beethoven, whatever, however you want to say it. <laughs> um, didn't they say Beethoven in, uh, in uh, how was it, movie? Bill and Ted's? Excellent adventure, I thought. They might have. I know I've heard it also said beat oven. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was meant to be a joke. I mean, that was obviously meant to be a joke. I don't think anybody ever seriously said beat oven. But if you did, if I get some coming, hey, let's hear these jams by beat oven, man. Yeah, I'm going to be like, I don't I don't want to talk to you anymore. I just, I can't. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if that's how they dogged him out, like when he was growing up like oh look it's beat oven what's up beat oven man yeah man Man, we're gonna get a lot of complaints about this one beat oven is the avant-garde version of beethoven (laughs) and uh president franklin roosevelt now a lot of presidents um a good member of the signees of the declaration of independence have all been freemasons Mm-hmm. And supposedly the um, the Washington D.C. was built in a Masonic style of building, and I think George Washington laid the cornerstone for. I'm trying to think what building that was. Uh, I can do it when we get back mm. to to when we get back from break. But the um, uh, but yeah, that's the Washington it. Monument is supposed to be a Masonic symbol because it's an obelisk. And obelisks yep. are supposed to be a, a symbol of, of um, Freemasonry because of uh, masonry being stoneworking, essentially. Um, so there's a there's a lot of connections. And the Pentagon is, a lot of people say it's not really a Pentagon. A lot of people say it's a hidden pentagram. Um, all these different things, which contains the compass. I mean, the Freemasons didn't use pentagrams specifically, but they did use the compass. And the compass is included in the pentagram for a lot of occult societies. So... Again, that's another example of how things can kind of balloon out of control. Oh, the um, it was the United States Capitol cornerstone laying, uh, and that was the ceremonial placement of the cornerstone of the United States Capitol on September 18th, 1793, and it was laid by our first president, George Washington, and assisted by the Grand Master of Maryland, Mr. Joseph Clark, and they did that in a Masonic ritual. So I was just trying to find the building there of which building that was but uh yeah so there you have it you have some some george washington capitol building action some mm-hmm. mason some masonry action <laughs> so you can jam your Sweet. you got some <laughs> you masonry jam your... action going on they're gonna be playing live with beat oven <laughs> <laughs> down at the hill mouth free drinks if you're saint germain be... and i've never heard that before so i'm gonna be laughing about beat oven <laughs> For a it's obviously not something that was ever really widespread. I don't remember where I heard it from, and I, I know it was meant to be a parody. I know it was supposed to be. It's like some off movie that I I don't even remember what it is. And like, hey, do you got this? Look at this. It's pretty cool. What do you got? Beat oven? 
somebody looking through somebody's vinyl records or something like that, and it's like a reprint of old whatever. I don't know. I don't even remember where it came from. But uh, <laughs> dude, Beethoven. we should go listen to that new Beethoven record. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so yeah, that that concludes our um, my long-winded uh, take on Freemasonry. So we're gonna take a quick station identification right. commercial break. Um, I'm gonna go drink some water and listen to some beat oven real quick. So we will be right back. Yeah, and then when we get back, we're gonna be listening, or we're gonna be listening to me talk, obviously. <laughs> but we're gonna be talking to uh, again, talking to me, obviously. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> We're going to talk about Bohemian Grove, right? Yeah, Bohemian Grove. Nice. All right. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's your good friend Spider from Let's Talk About the Music Radio Network here to tell you about all the quality content that we have for you to listen to every week. On Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 Pacific, it's the Let's Talk About the Music radio show. It's our flagship show. It sets the cornerstone of the whole network. We talk to a wide range of industry professionals in the entertainment business, and we get their opinions on all kinds of things, controversial or otherwise. Tune in. On Thursday nights, it's the brand new This Uncanny Earth, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific, where we talk about a wide variety of paranormal experiences, paranormal instances, and anything else that ends with Z. Ha 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 You knew it have to sneak a joke in there somewhere. So tune into that with me and my good buddy Rob every week. Get to the chat room, get to the Facebook group, This Uncanny Earth Official, and let's hear your opinions. On Friday nights, every week, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, you have the Dirty Rotten Weekend with me, and I'm going to be playing the best underground indie music for you, uncensored, unfiltered, commercial-free for a couple hours for your listening pleasure. And that's what we got. Tune in every week and listen on demand on a wide variety of streaming services. I look forward to seeing you in the chat room. Hey, welcome back. Did you miss us? You better, hey. or else. That was the so hardest minute and a half of my life every time. I missed you folks out there. I was like, I can't wait to get back to them. And, That's right. And mess up a whole bunch of other stuff like I did earlier, <laughs> and make up stories about history like Adam Weishaupt dying and and not dying. So, That's right. But now we're going to talk about a giant wooden owl, and Alex Jones visited it, and he was there, and then abruptly got kicked out. That's right. <laughs> Bohemian Grove. Uh, nice. Which is actually, it, that's not the name of the society. The society is no, called the Bohemian Club, but it gets identified with the grove where it takes place. Bohemian Grove is a restricted 2,700-acre campground. And it, I have the address here. I'm not going to give you the address, but you can find it easily online. It's on Wikipedia. Just having the address doesn't mean you can go there. By all means, if you think you're, you know, if you think you can get in, do it and tell us about it, but uh, we'll see. Um but it's in uh, it's in California, here in the United States, and it belongs to a private San Francisco-based gentleman's club. Not that kind of gentleman's club, although it could be. <laughs> we don't know what happens. I mean, there could be some uh, some scant going on there. But um, it's known as the Bohemian Club, and in mid-July every year, it hosts 
a more than two-week encampment of some of the most prominent men in the world. And um, it's had presidents, it's had artists, it's had uh, so many different people. Um, It's an all-male membership, which is another feature of a lot of secret societies. A lot of secret societies are are gender-specific. Um, they're only open to certain genders or, or you know, d- certain outlooks. Um, but the guest list has included artists, particularly musicians, as well as many prominent business leaders, government officials, senior media executives, and people of power. Members may invite guests to the Grove. Guests may be invited to the Grove for either the Spring Jinx in June or the Main July Encampment. Uh... Club members can schedule private day-use events at the Grove any time it is not being used for club-wide purposes, and they are allowed at these times to bring spouses, family, and friends, although female and minor guests must be off the property by 9 or 10 p.m. Mm. Interesting. Um, after 40 years of membership, the men earn Old Guard status, which gives them reserved uh, reserved seating at the Grove's daily talks, as well as other uh, perks and things. Former U.S. President Herbert Hoover was inducted into the Old Guard on March 19, 1953, and he had joined the club exactly 40 years previously. Um, the club motto is, Weaving Spiders Come Not Here, which means, Outside Concerns and Business Deals Networking are to be left outside. When gathered in groups, they some they usually go by that, although sometimes they'll discuss things often between small groups of members here and there. Uh, you can't get a group of people together who are in that many areas of business and not talk about business. Um, an interesting point is it's particularly famous for a Manhattan Project planning meeting that took place there in September of 1942, which subsequently led to the atomic bomb. So big things can be discussed at these at the the Bohemian Grove, um, and uh, it's interesting how uh, how many different people go there, and and nobody really still knows exactly what happens there. It's a it's a really mysterious place. There's supposed to be a giant redwood carving of an owl that sits in a central part of the park. Um, there's supposed to be even like a brazier on it, like uh, like uh, people set fire inside of it and smoke goes up and everything. And so it resembles kind of people dress up in robes. It looks kind of occult sometimes. But again, there's no real information. There's no idea um, what exactly goes on there. And people have tried to go there. I Like, like Rob said here, Alex Jones on a show called, um, I don't know if it was... I thought it was called Monster Hunters or something like that. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, there was a couple he, of guys. He or something like he faked what he was doing there, and he was like, "Just kidding, it's me, Alex Jones." <laughs> yeah, I mean, they didn't make a secret that it that it wasn't him. They said it was him right on there, and they got together with him. And um, this, it was like a group of people, like a veteran and a guy who believed in the in the supernatural, or the paranormal, like us, and then somebody else, and they had a team. And they'd talked to him about it, about Bohemian Grove. And and Alex Jones is convinced, probably still is, obviously, that it's something real sinister. And it could be. It could be something sinister. We really don't be. know. Um, 
that something that terrible awful things were going on there and that the illuminati was running the world from meetings based in the bohemian grove which if you think about it things like the manhattan project the atomic bomb that's big things that changed the world that changed the face of yep. politics on the planet i mean we're still dealing with new nuclear stuff right now nuclear potential war between massive superpower countries and um so I know in this episode of the show, he he him and the group they they got into a boat and they tried to sneak in there by water, and security got them. And I don't know, maybe it was staged. It could have been a lot of what Alex Jones does is probably staged. He's into that kind of thing. Um, these guys, I don't know. I've I've never seen them on the regular basis, so I don't know how often they may stage things, if that, for entertainment. But if not, then it it shows how how keenly the the grove goes about protecting itself and its members um and uh and there's not a whole lot i can even say about it because there isn't much that's really known about it um it's there's they, they put on plays um they do like some workshopping uh they they drink obviously i mean what else are you going to do hanging out in the woods basically it's for for people to, to for guys to get away that they can get away from the, 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 the hectic lives they live as politicians, uh, business magnets, um, artists, things of that nature. And really, it was supposed to be more for artists than anybody else, but they were finding that artists couldn't pay their dues. They, couldn't, they didn't have the kind of money or the influence to be able to keep the Bohemian Grove movement going. So later on, they let in other people, you know, leaders and... and business tycoons, things of that nature, because then they're like, oh, now we can actually pay to keep the place open. So, you know, at first it was more for artists and things like that, but later on it became for pretty much people who are wealthy and had to influence. Mm. Because, I mean, you can be wealthy and you're not going to get in. But uh, the influence part is really the key point, because they've had Clinton's been there, Bush, Nixon, I believe, was there. All these people were there. You know, influential leaders. Now, an interesting thing here. Um, there's there's some controversies that that have gone on in the course of the uh, the Bohemian Grove, which is easy to see considering how secretive they are. Um, one of them involves uh, their their discrimination for for not allowing women. Um, in 1978, the Bohemian Club was actually charged with discrimination by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing over over its refusal to hire female employees. In 1981, an administrative law judge issued a decision supporting the practices of the club. And this kind of this is ridiculous, but apparently this was legal at the time. In 1981, this wasn't even like in like. I, <laughs> <laughs> he said that noting that club members at the Grove, quote, urinate in the open without even the use of rudimentary toilet facilities and that the presence of females would alter club members' behavior. And it's like, <laughs> so, like, it made it seem like peeing in public is like a noble thing at the at the, the Grove. And it's like, it's a piece of law that's on the books. Um the judge's decision was overruled by the State Fair Employment and Housing Commission, which on uh, in 1981 ordered the club to begin recruiting and hiring as employees. In 1984, 
they went to the Supreme Court of California over the issue, arguing that their freedom of association was being harmed. The court found against the club and denied a review in 1987, forcing the club to begin hiring female workers during the summer encampment. This ruling became quoted as a legal precedent and was discussed during the 1995 to 1996 floor debate surrounding California Senate Bill SB 2110, which was a proposed bill concerning whether tax-exempt organizations, including fraternal clubs, should be exempt from the Civil Rights Act. So it's interesting that even a, a, a group of powerful people like this who are supposed to be the Illuminati, they, they eventually lost out to legal precedent. And um, there's nothing past that, so I assume that is still in effect. But as far as female employees go, it does not mean that they still allow them as guests. There have been some honorary guests in the past, but um, so far there have been no female actual guests of the club since 1928. And let me make a side note here. The, the females that do work, the staff, because there are female staffs that work there, they can't go beyond a certain point. They're not allowed to go past a certain point, and mm-hmm. they have to be off the grounds by nine o'clock. So that's right. that is still in like, effect. Just like, just like you said with with the guests and the and the miners and stuff, they have to be off the grounds by nine o'clock. So, mm-hmm. but so, you know, and, and and I think that you know what if it's 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 a fine line you walk when you discuss this because um, people should have the right to congregate freely. Um, no matter if it's an all women's club, all men's club. Um, but at some point, you know, where do you draw the line for that kind of stuff? You know, do do you, do you have to, you know, keep it it all male, even in hiring, you know, in order to, 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 to keep the, the idea of the, uh, the institution alive? Or do you just say, you know what, we can separate our employees from our guests. Mm -hmm. So interesting stuff, Bohemian Grove. I'm, uh... As much as I would like to know what goes on there, I, from seeing how security was with uh, with the Alex Jones incident, if I'm going to take that as something believable and not purely as stage for entertainment, I'm going to tell people, you know what, don't don't risk getting getting a charge because it's going to be a trespassing charge, right. which isn't a whole lot. It's a misdemeanor for most places, but it's still something that you know you don't really need to add that to your permanent record just to to not really see anything. Right. I mean, and, if you were and, even going to see something when you got there that was worth seeing, that's great. But, I, you know, if you can't guarantee that there's anything there to see or to actually reveal it's some kind of secret, whatever, there's no point. And also, just to uh, just to kind of set this out here, if the Bohemian Grove would like to invite this uncanny earth out there, we'd be more than happy to, to come out there and check the place out. Absolutely. <clears throat> we are... We are uh, tycoons of radio industry. <laughs> we will be. We will be for sure. We will be. There's no no debate there. But that's right. You know, if, if somebody from the Grove is listening, or, or a Freemason's listening, or a member of the Illuminati's listening, or the next group I'm going to talk about is listening, let us know. We'll, we'll we'll have you on the show. You can say, hey, you know what? I'm in the Freemasons, and we don't do all that evil stuff. We're good guys. We hang out on Tuesdays. We play poker, and we we hang out. Or you can come on the show and be like, we're Illuminati and we control everything you do and we're 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 evil. You know, you can, you can come on and do that if you if you want, I guess. 
I'm probably going to challenge you to a fight if you do that for control of the universe. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, that's what I do. But, and then um, what we'll do is we'll set up pay-per-view tickets, and we'll have a, a TV event, live event, of uh, Spider versus the Illuminati. <laughs> and for all you thinking, you know, Rob, what are you going to do? I'm the guy with the chair. i got to get the chair shot. You know, the chair shots are the back. But nobody knows who it's going to be. Am I going to hit Spider and join the Illuminati New World Order? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Could be the betrayal of the century. <clears throat> get your nah, tickets now. I just <laughs> Yeah, they got to him. They got to him. You got to, We'll have Alex Jones and uh, Count St. Germain do commentary. That's right. Be great. Get your tickets. $1,000 at the door. Yeah. Now, speaking of getting your tickets, why don't you come on in and get your tickets to some uh, enlightenment with Ooh. our next group, the Rosicrucians. Yes, the Rosicrucians. Um. Now, the Rosicrucians, or the legend of the Rosy Cross, and let me, before I begin on this one, this one is a wild, wild group. Not wild in the fact that they're bohemian groving it, but wild in how popular it has become when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. So, uh, this society began supposedly in the 1300s in Germany with a man who may or may not have existed. And his name is Christian Reusenkreutz. It wasn't until the 1600s, though, when the Order of the Rosy Cross would take flight. Now, this was due in large part to three manifestos that were put out anonymously at the time. These, these three manifestos titled Fama... Now, this is, this is Latin, so here we go with Latin again. Fama Fraternatus, or Fame of the Brotherhood, in 1614. Confessio Frat. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to say the English versions of all these. You guys can look up the, the Latin because <laughs> I'm not going to butcher this. So Fame of the Brotherhood in 1614 and Confession of the Brotherhood in 1615. And finally, the third and final one, The Chemical Wedding of Christian Reusenkreutz in 1616. Now, these writings just talk of uh, Reusenkreutz starting a secret society composed of learned men who possess secret knowledge that could change the world forever. Here's where it gets a little dicey. <clears throat> so, supposedly, a Lutheran minister by the name of Johann Valentin André wrote these these three manifestos. He is at least um, <clears throat> he's at least uh, connected to the first one, and the other two are up for grabs. But supposedly, uh, Mr. Rosenkreutz was made up, and just to kind of sell the idea of a secret society. But instead of people saying, you know what, this is a farce, and in most cases when people would find out that it's a farce, they would completely move on. They, there would be no uh, Order of the Rosy Cross today. But this had the exact opposite effect, and the society just blossomed. It grew. It, it became bigger than, than they thought it was going to be. And a lot of people went on to start their own Rosicrucian societies. Mm -hmm. Which is is amazing because here's the here's the here's the story that you were told. Hey, this dude, you know, he has these works and and it's a lot of enlightenment, a lot of alchemy, a lot of things of that nature. And he wasn't a real person. And people still said, eh, I can forego that because what they're what what uh, is being said in these manifestos is fascinating. It's really speaking to me on a spiritual and personal level. And so to me, that was fascinating. And um, 
the some of the original rules of the Rosicrucian order were uh, that the group could not consist of more than eight men, and each had to be a doctor and a bachelor. Each member had to promise to heal the sick without payment. Each member swore to maintain a secret fellowship. Each member must find a replacement for himself before he dies. Um, and one must seek out to become better with each um, understanding, so to speak. So as you're reading these texts and as you're understanding and studying, you you seek to enlighten yourself and become a, you seek to basically shed off the older version of yourself. And that should die away and you become reborn, so to speak, spiritually. Not in a sense of you're going to come out of another womb again. This is more of a spiritual um, uh, new beginning, so to speak. And uh, and, and the thing is, 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 is this order is, is pretty big in terms of um, something that, that, that had a, a, a non-existent member who, before I finish, and I need you to ready that applause <laughs> button. So Uh-oh. ready that bad boy. Christian Rosenkreutz was supposedly also... Our friend, your friend, everybody's favorite friend. That's right, folks. Count St. Germain. Let me get that applause. The full 14-second applause, too, not the little one. It's still Man, going. I'm, People are so happy. I'm happy. The countsman goes <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, oh, man. So <clears throat> today we have, uh, we have the the... Amork, which is the ancient and mystical order of the Rosy Cross. And this was organized in America in 1915. And this institution actually boasts around 80,000 members in the United States and a couple other places, a couple other countries. Um, now, the reason I, I picked this one is because I actually thought about joining this society some years back. I don't know if Spider remembers this. I do. I actually was the one who turned... Uh sent you that information initially because you hadn't heard of them before then. I mean, you might have heard of them, but you hadn't looked into them, and I was like, hey, check these guys out. And I checked them out. And and while they, they, they are, they're pretty pretty uh, pretty interesting group, and in the future I may decide to join. It's just not in the financial cards at this time, but you know, I, I've, I've actually did a lot of research on these guys, and uh, you know, there's some really good um, personal concepts and spiritually enlightening concepts that I find to be, you know, very helpful in day-to-day life. Um, and just, just the overall knowledge. And I, I've, I've read through um, the, the chemical wedding and, it, and the, the thing with the chemical wedding, the thing with any kind of books of this nature, you know, cause I'm, I'm so used to reading fiction or history books and you have to have a specific mind frame to read these kind of books. You can't just jump into it like, Oh, I'm going to read this latest thriller or I'm going to read this latest science fiction where you have to mentally prepare yourself you have to emotionally prepare yourself to sit down and say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take a a part of my brain and put this into this study because it's a study it's not it's not something you finish reading and you put it down like oh man that was a good story and then you put it back on the shelf this is stuff you'll take off the shelf or stuff you'll be reading on your phone or you know whatever you'll be doing you'll you know something that has to that has to keep um building inside of you so I, I took a lot of these some of these aspects into my personal life and i found it to be quite fascinating and and the thing is is it doesn't it's not cultish 
Um, there are some things that I'm not too big a fan of the 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 dues, so to speak. But I understand why they do it. Um, some of the 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 bigger kind of like posh. Um, uh, the, there's a place out in San Diego that's kind of like a, a almost like a vacation destination, I believe. And I'm just uh, it's it's a little too materialistic, but I understand at the same time it's not something that I'm like. Oh, it's the worst thing ever. I get it, um, but I found the group to be to be fascinating. And if I if I was going to join a society of that nature, that's who I would join. I mean, I've I've uh, connected with a couple uh, Rosicrucian folks and just kind of like chatted with them and, and talked about different ideas and concepts. But <clears throat> there's just a lot of things too that that um, that that I can't fully put myself into and I feel like if I'm going to join a society of that nature that I have to be in it 100%. I can't have one foot in and one foot out because then it's not going to the enlightenment isn't going to come for me. It's just going to it's going to kind of just hang out halfway. So, I'm kind of treading water a little bit here and just seeing how I feel about it uh about that about that that society, but real quick I want to break down the sim, the the symbology of the rosy cross itself. Um, now, the rose is a sign of spiritual growth, and it is taken from the Latin phrase sub rosa. See, that was an easy one. I could do that one. Uh, meaning done in secret. This comes from secret societies in Rome, meeting under a hanging rose. Now, the cross, which is a symbol of life and death, uh, symbolizes the universe. It is quartered into the four alchemical elements of fire, earth, air, and water. To alchemists, this cross represents immortality. And that's an, this, is, this is another reason why... I um, looked into this group because I, f- I found that whole concept of of the alchemical aspects to be fascinating. And alchemy is a really fascinating subject for me. It, it you know it, it's been about it's been about ten years probably, around, roughly nine or ten years since I really got on this path of studying uh, esoteric concepts, alchemy, things of that nature. Because when I when I started into this, I started with Zechariah Sitchin's Twelfth uh, Planet book. And I started doing more research online. And the hardest part for me was finding people who were like-minded, but not all the way into crazy town. And anytime you get into this, this, this form of, of, um, of, uh, of enlightenment, you're going to have a lot of people that take it too far, you know, and, and that's a big turnoff for me. I don't want somebody that's going to be, um, <clears throat> not, not have any common sense about the issues at hand. You know, you, it's like people who, like Spider said, they say that the Illuminati is into everything. And mathematically, that just doesn't make sense. You know, you have to have a, a, <clears throat> a mind for understanding. And I think that's the hardest part in, in, in studying, or not studying, but like having conversations with people who also share similar beliefs and, and concepts. Because Spider and I have these conversations. Mm. And we can go away not feeling like the other person is a, is a, is a nut job. Because we can break things down um, mentally and, and intelligently, and not have to resort to a to a fight or, or getting angry with one another, we can talk politics and religion. We do it all the time, and we have a good conversation. And see, that's what I, I look for those types of people when I'm studying um, Rosicrucianism or I'm studying anything of that nature. Because I want to get other people's concepts. Like maybe I'm not reading this right, or maybe I'm not understanding this correctly. So I want to sit down with somebody and say, okay, let's make, let's, let's see where I, where I'm might be diverting off of what is being told here. But at the same time, 
I don't want to turn it into a cult-like experience or, or something of, along the lines of a, Scienti- of a Scientology type of experience. Mm. So, and I've rambled on long enough. Uh, Rosicrucianism, check it out. There you go. Um, and the next one I'm going to talk about is is one of those real mysterious ones that gets a lot of uh, because of who was associated with it, it gets a lot of like oh about it. Um, let's talk about and we mentioned it earlier in the show the Ordo Templi Orientis, founded by the great beast himself, Aleister <laughs> Crowley, and uh, he was known by some people as the most evil man in the world simply because of the stuff that he was into. Um, he uh, he espoused a lot of different things in his personal life as as ways to philosophical um, um, learning and education, but um, we're going to focus on what he did here with the uh, with the Ordo Templo, um, the OTO is what it was called, and it was the Order of the Temple of the East or Order of Oriental <clears throat> Templars is what he called it. Um, an international fraternal and religious organization founded at the beginning of the 20th century, uh, originally founded by Carl Kellner and Theodore Rus, um, English author and occultist Aleister Crowley is the best known and most influential member of the order, and it was said that when he joined, he uh, he basically ran the group, whether it was stated or not. So. Hard to say exactly how much of his influence was, but he influenced a lot of this kind of stuff at the time. Um, it's similar to a lot of other secret societies. Uh, it's based on an initiatory system of degree ceremonies that use ritual drama uh, for fraternal bonds, for spiritual and philosophical teachings. Um, it was originally intended to be modeled after and associated with European Freemasonry, um, which, again, the seeds of Freemasonry are everywhere. <laughs> um but under the leadership of Crowley, it was reorganized around the law of Thelema as its central religious pr- uh, principle. Thelema was uh, it was a religious philosophy that Crowley believed was imparted to him through spiritual writing by an, an, some sort of entity in Egypt where he was at the time. And it guided him to write something called the Book of the Law. And the law itself was, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And a lot of people seem to think that that means that do whatever you want. But it was more, do what you can with your willpower, is, is more how you translated that. So he believed that, that, that the, the will, the spirit, the desire to do something was how you should accomplish anything. It wasn't just you should do something from like an assembly line standpoint where everybody just does what they're told by rote, but it was more that you should have the the will and the intent to cause something to happen. And uh, one of the things that included was the quote-unquote Gnostic Catholic Church as an arm of the order. And it had something called the Gnostic Mass. Now, the Gnostics were an older society that was a heretical society by the Catholic Church that was outlawed, and most of its members were hunted down and killed over a long period of time, especially during the Inquisition. So, um, a lot of kind of strange things from the Gnostics. I can't, I'm not going to go into them right now because there's too much. You could do an entire show just on Gnosticism. Yep. And, uh, and a lot of it. A lot of it is kind of crazy sounding. They did a lot of things that were kind of like, I don't think I'd really want to do that. But they they believed that they had a point to it. And some of the things that they said about it did make some sense. It's in practice how they they did some ritual things that were weird. But um, 
Moving on from them, um, the OTO was supposedly originated in Germany or Austria sometime between 1895 and 1906. And um, the original apparent founder, Karl Kellner, was a wealthy Austrian industrialist. And he wanted to establish um, something called an Academia Masonica, which is like a, a Masonic school with which high-grade Freemason degrees could be conferred in German-speaking nations. So he really only wanted it to originally be um, Freemasonry for his local area, for the German people at the time. And uh, later on, in 1910, one of the members met Aleister Crowley, and in 1910 uh, admitted him to the first three degrees of the OTO, Two years later, he was placed in charge of the OTO in Great Britain and Ireland and was advanced to the 10th degree, which is extremely fast for an uh, an organization like this. He composed the Gnostic Mass in 1913 from Moscow. Um, They wrote a a synopsis of degrees in 1917, and uh, Crowley subsequently rewrote the initiation rituals of the first degree three degrees, and removed most of the ties to masonry. Um, Now, let's get into the philosophy a little bit. The uh, philosophy was, as described by Crowley, was the first of the great old Aeon orders to accept the Book of the Law. It originally borrowed ritual material from irregular mason organizations, and uh, although some related symbolism and language remains in use, the context was changed to match Thelema and its tenets, and it was supposed to, quote, offer esoteric instruction through dramatic ritual, guidance in a system of illuminated ethics, and uh, fellowship among aspirants to the great work of realizing the divine in the human. As uh, a lot of you folks might know, the great work ties into our talk on alchemy from several weeks back. Um, the great mm-hmm. work was the final advancement, the apotheosis of the human spirit to become godlike, and uh, one of the ways to supposedly do that was through uh, was through alchemy and through the practice of alchemy. So, um, the OTO was a, a, an organization dedicated to to realizing the great work and seeing it through to the end. And um, as far as uh, as far as whether it's still around or not, let me take a look here. Um, it is still in existence in some form. Uh, as as late as June 2008, it won a trademark case on appeal in the UK. Um, and uh, so they have confirmed trademarks of OTO, O period T period O period, Ordo Templi Orientis, and the OTO symbol, which is, um, which is kind of like... Um, there's a couple different pictures of it. One of the pictures is uh, it, it looks like an, a bird coming down from an illuminated eye from a, a upper position going down to a crown. Um, so interesting thing about divine knowledge going down to uh, to a human divine, to a ruler, to somebody in charge, a leader. And um, interesting stuff. Um, they are still around. They do accept new members. As far as how they uh, allow the new members and everything like that, that's still a little bit murky. 
there's still a lot that's unknown about it beyond what's set out in the in the philosophy. Um, but it's safe to conclude that they don't do a whole lot different these days than uh, folks who are actually part of Freemasonry. They're a little more occult. They do more on the um, the, the ritualistic kind of stuff. But um, considering how rarely you ever hear anything in the news or even in conspiracy circles about, oh, this is a member of the OTO did some at the local school today, then, you know, it, there's not much sinister going on there anymore. Although, again, I could be completely wrong, and it could be an Illuminati plot, and the OTO could be simply hiding in plain sight all the evil, derogatory things that they do. Whew. That was a whole bunch of mouthful there. That was a whole bunch, yeah. I didn't even get to say anything. <laughs> you just went off. I think I you know, probably it, remember. The OTO is a lot of, it's a lot of just dense, just <clears throat> anything with Thelema is really dense and really kind of like head-scratching. Because it seems like it should be a lot simpler right. than what it actually was. And uh, the Thelemic philosophy, the, um, the as above, so below... And do what they will, do what thou wilt, kind of thing is. It's present in a lot of organizations nowadays. Right. It's it's the foundation for a lot of occult orders and a lot of your um, a lot of your modern occult uh, groups took inspiration from Crowley. Well, and, you, you uh, have Anton Lavey was a big, yep. big, big fan of. Yeah, the of original uh, the original Church of Satan. Um, yep. A lot of your your later organizations, the Temple of Set, follows a lot of uh, Crowleyan tradition, all that kind of stuff. Um, so he was very influential. Crowley was an interesting person. And I'm going to get into some stuff that might make some people uncomfortable here, and I don't really want. I'm, I'm just going to give you like this is your trigger warning right here, okay? Um, Triggered, because Crowley used to say stuff. Like, in his rituals, he would call for, well, now you have to sacrifice children at this particular stage of the ritual. And people think, oh, you have to sacrifice children? And he didn't mean go out and kill a child. He meant something that wasn't as sinister, but was really kind of gross to sit around with, like, 12 other yeah. people in a room and do. Yep. He meant uh, masturbation. You you sacrifice the seed of your children. You, you get rid of your, your semen and things like that as a male. So really into some bizarre things, and publicly... He was into public was, orgies and all this other kind of stuff. He was also into sex magic and things mm-hmm. like that, too. Yeah, dude was a weirdo. Like, it, you know, I, that's all I can put it, man. Like, <laughs> I, I've studied a lot of these people and a lot of in, 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 in the past 10 years, and this dude is a straight up goof. And this is why he earned the label of the great beast and being the most evil man in the world. Because he did things like this. He didn't apologize for it. He said that you had to do these things to advance your knowledge. And um, and while I agree that getting into some things that are outside the norm might help kind of open your boundaries a little bit and get you creative, I, I don't... I'm not going to sit around in a room and be, you know, rubbing and up sacri- on myself. And sacrificing my children. I mean, in any capacity, that's just bizarre. So, you know... Some things are probably better done in private, folks. Just, you know, keep it to yourself. <laughs> now, a group that doesn't keep it to themselves is the Opus Day, And this oh, will be the last, uh, the last group that I get into here. Because we, we've we pretty much... Uh, yeah, we've hit sort pretty of, hard. Sort of eschewed the, uh, the, the pop culture stuff. We'll, we'll touch a little bit on that, too. 
Mm. I got a little, some we'll probably each throw that, out but... one thing, I think, because we, we'll probably have time for one thing each. Um, but the Opus Dei was founded in 1928 by Spanish Catholic priest Jose Maria Escriva de Balaguer, and I probably butched but butchered that all to, to, <laughs> to, to time and back, but if anybody can pronounce that correctly, feel free. Uh, now, this boasts around 85,000 members in 80 countries, and it has three different uh, levels. It has numeraries, which are 20% of the members. Those folks live in Opus Dei residential buildings, and they donate everything to the association. Their mail is read by the association. Nothing gets by to these people without the 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 uh, the head folks seeing that, and that's kind of where the cult aspect kind of mingles itself on in there. Um, the supernumeraries and the associates they live on their own, but they still contribute money and time to the Opus Dei. Um, <clears throat> it was granted personal prelature by John Paul II in 1982. Now, what that is, is it gives Opus Dei the right to operate independent of the authority of local bishops and church officials. You can imagine probably how kind of sinister that kind of sounds. Uh, It's supposedly a right-wing arm of the Catholic Church, and its members do uh, self-punishment, such as uh, a famous um, monk, St. Ignatius of Loyola. He was known for whipping or flogging his back. Flagellation. To kind of keep them, keep yeah, keep himself in line with, with with God, so to speak. I don't see how that does really well, but a lot of people did that, uh, and they are strictly separated from the opposite sex. Now, the supernumeraries and the associates, obviously, they're not going to be segregated from the opposite sex, but the numeraries, those folks will be. Now, what we have to, what where the sinister aspects come from this? is in things like recruitment. So when these people are, are out there recruiting, they go to different functions with the sole purpose of recruiting people, which is very cult-esque um, if we're gonna if we're gonna take it to that to that aspect. But the reason being that it's cult-esque is that it's more you're trying to pull people in and you're not really allowing them to rise in a rank and uh, a system like that. You're just allowing people to join, and then you're getting their money, you're getting their time, which sounds cult-like, I mean, at least with the numeraries. Now, the supernumeraries and the associates, not so much. And then just the simple fact of, of the, 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 the higher-ups of the, of the numeraries can read your mail. They take all of your money. You don't get any money, so you're basically working for free, or you're working for the Opus Dei, so to speak. And they've actually been... Um, you know, when I say actually been more supposedly, I should say they've uh, they've been tied in with a couple different things, a couple different uh, aspects of, of Protestant um, when when the uh, when the the uh, the Catholics and the Protestants were, were big into fighting. They kind of jumped in in certain aspects and did some things and people say they've killed. They've uh, used car bombs. So this is one of the more extreme cult like societies and and i found a, a good amount of information but i wanted to get the my the other societies out and then kind of have this one as a, as a last little like piece but there's a lot of research that's been done on this and actually 
um this is good this is going to segue perfectly into the pop culture aspect so we'll be able to give like a couple at least um one of the biggest uh pop culture books about the opus day was the da vinci code by dan brown and in that he it involves the the priory of scion and the opus day and basically what that book is about is supposedly jesus had a wife uh, mary magdalene i believe i didn't read the book that's the one i haven't read um so don't don't quote me on that i'm just kind of giving it of of what i trying to piece together what i remember supposedly there's they find a lost gospel which is partially based in semi-fact um there right. was some kind of writing that they're still unsure of the actual authenticity of that's there was like either the the gospel of of mary magdalene or the gospel of thomas or, or oh, doubting yeah, thomas something like that and um so dan brown took that and used it as the basis for his uh, his fictional novels now some of his other works, uh, Angels and Demons, involves the Illuminati. Uh, and the one I did read, or the one I should say I listened to on, on audiobook, um, The Lost Symbol, which is a really fantastic story. I, I really liked it. Um, I'm not a real big fan of Dan Brown. I don't rush out and, and buy his books. But I really enjoyed this one. It, it was it was it involved Freemasonry and it involves like a, a sort of ascendance and it talks about um, apotheosis which basically means ascending to godhood from man to godhood george washington supposedly is one that ascended to godhood um through apotheosis so that that was it was it's a it's a it's a good book um if you're looking for just something to read about uh, a, a fiction work about freemasonry it's it's a pretty good breed um three other books and i'm not going to talk about them in in in, in long-winded conversations I'm just going to mention them because that's where I got a lot of my information from for this. And I've read these books uh, quite a few times uh, just just to kind of collect some new stuff. But The Element Encyclopedia of Secret Societies by John Michael Green, The Secrets of Freemasons by Michael Bradley, and Secret Societies, The Truth Revealed by Deborah Newberger Spriggan and Deborah Mostow Zakir. So those three um, books, and plus uh, some stuff on the internet and different avenues of that uh, that that uh, that that information. So just if you get a chance, check them out. You can always go back in this show after we're finished here and, and re-listen to it and get those books if you'd like. The uh, the Element Encyclopedia of Secret Societies is cool in that it has like pretty much everything. So it has information about the Knights Templar, who we didn't cover. It has information about the Priory of Scion, who we didn't cover. So it's it's got a couple other couple other things in there. So those three books, check them out. That's right. Um, and one thing uh, I'm going to talk about a game franchise that deals with uh, that deals with the secret society. This is one that I just got finished playing actually, and um, this is the Tomb Raider franchise. Uh, I don't recall if the old uh, if the older game in the series had um, had the society in it or not, but the newer ones, the latest three, which is um, Tomb Raider, um, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. It's a trilogy at this point. There's an organization called Trinity, which is uh, it's an ancient organization from the early days, earliest days of the Catholic Church. Um, apparently, if you're looking for, for secret societies, the Catholic Church is a popular boogeyman. 
I don't want to come off saying that I, I believe that, that everybody who's Catholic is a bad person or the church as a whole is a bad organization. There's a lot of people that would say that I'm out of my mind. But, um, you know, we don't go out of our way to, to demonize particular organizations unless you're like actual Nazis or something like that. Yeah, actual then we hate Nazis, your guts. not like fake Nazis. Like, um, like Indiana Jones said, I hate those guys. <laughs> but, um, but Trinity is a group that apparently believes in artifacts of divine power and they want to use these artifacts to remake the world into a more divine image so that uh they can safeguard and shepherd the rest of their the human the the rest of humanity under their leadership specifically so there's no more disease no more death no what no whatever but it's a totalitarian state of a world all these bad things are gone, but you have to 100% follow what uh, what Trinity would say because they'd be in charge. So during, while they don't show up in the first game, they do show up in the second and the third, and they're a constant source of uh, frustration, and they get into a lot of local <laughs> legends and things. Um, they're very driven. They're 100% of the, they, they believe like totally in what they're doing. They're all true believers. And um, and as you're playing the main character, who of course is Lara Croft, she uh, she frequently has to battle against them, and a lot of her her history is based on things that Trinity has done to both herself and to her family. So interesting stuff. It's um it's kind of a cliche thing. It matches a lot of ways that movies use secret societies and things. So it's not the most original idea in the world, but I was entertained. I liked all three games for the most part, and. Um, and I recommend it for anybody who's uh, who's into both secret societies and um, into ancient artifacts and treasure hunting and uh, just games with, that are an adventure where you go out and do adventures and things like that. So the Tomb Raider series, the, the latest three games in the series specifically are what I'm talking about. Um, I'm actually going to go to another <coughs> series of games that I personally love that involve secret societies and ancient artifacts. That is the Assassin's Creed franchise. Once again, think, you can tell, I think, that we're probably big fans of that. I think every episode I've brought this series up. <laughs> I, I, I keep track of how many times you talk about Assassin's Creed and Castlevania. And so far, you've been able to do Assassin's Creed more times than Castlevania, which is a trick. But, um, you know, there's always there's always time next uh, next week's show. Um, well, if if we do like if we start doing other cryptids and stuff and more mythology, then we can I can work that in. But uh, but yeah, Assassin's Creed: the story of the Knights Templar versus the Assassins or the Hussassins or the Hashassins. It's it's that that word's kind of it's rough for me to pronounce. It's John Connery, Hashashin. Hashashin, sure. Uh, now the reason they were called the Hashassins is because they smoked hash before they went out and did their 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 duties. They literally smoked hash, and that's why they were called that. Um, but the, the the franchise, I'm going to say it again, is amazing. Uh, basically, in in these uh, in these games, you're you're trying to fend off a coming apocalypse. Um, for at least, I believe the first three three games, the 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 first three have Desmond Miles as like your 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 present character, and each one has. A present and a past character. Your present is the one who gets into the animus, and you find out, oh, I'm related to to, to so and so, and I'm going to go back in time and play as them in a roundabout way. Um, which that that part is always 
annoying to me. I don't like playing the present of Assassin's Creed because I'm so uh, uh, steeped in that whole world, that whole universe of like historical um, artifacts and symbiology and, and symbology. I'm just making a mess tonight. <laughs> symbology and I'm making a word mess. Uh, but, but I find all that stuff to be fascinating and a lot of the stuff after playing these games I've looked into and, and studied and, and um, understood more about secret societies from this, especially a lot of your... Uh, Assassin's Creed has a lot of, of uh, um, sacred geometry aspect to it, which is really cool, like, playing it, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I, you know, I see. I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. It's got a lot of historical relevance, and it just has the, the cool, like, secret society versus secret society. Like, if you were just, um, you know, if you want to see a secret society battle royal, that would be, like, the game, because you would have, you know, first off in... In this quarter is the Knights Templar, and then they count down, and then the, the, the Opus Day runs in, and they got a chair, and they crack somebody in the back with the chair, and then next thing you know, the Priory of Scions running down, and Bohemian Grove guys running down, and so it's just, it's really cool to see that aspect of two um, secret societies uh, uh, fighting each other, because the, the assassins actually fought the, what I think they're called the Sakari, if I'm not mistaken, and supposedly... Judas Iscariot was a member of the Sakari, and he was hired to kill Jesus Christ. Um, that's just that's that's not uh, something I'm making up. You can go look that up, and they'll bring that mm-hmm. up. In, in the Sakari were uh, were yeah, just sure. bringing a little bit of history. They were actually supposed to be a group of zealots of early um, early zealots who adopted Christianity, but but yep. wanted to use it as a means to free themselves of Roman rule, whereas yep. the original founders of Christianity, right. if you're going to call it uh, Jesus Christ or whoever else came not too long within him, within um, his time frame, like his disciples and things. Like Paul they, and all that. They felt that, that the way should be peaceful and they render Caesar unto his, whereas the Sicarii were like, no, stab Caesar in the face, free everybody, <laughs> and that kind of thing. So um, the Sicarii mostly, if I remember correctly, were pretty much wiped out historically in a plateau fortress uh, yep. by the Romans. They were under siege, and then the Romans went in and basically... A lot of them killed themselves, unfortunately, I believe. To they jumped out. They jumped to their death, yeah. Uh, so it, it's yeah. a lot of tragic situation, I think, that. But um, real organization, real um, real interesting stuff. And and that's and supposedly that's where Judas Iscariot came from, and he was hired to, to kind of get rid of Jesus because of, of the message he was preaching... And they didn't agree with it. Like Spider said, they were just like, you know, we we're trying to kill Romans. We're mm-hmm. tired of being being uh, under Roman occupation, and and they pretty much just tax us to death. So yeah, we're we're done. So and the, we're just start killing the mythology is that that Judas became a disciple because he thought he could convince Jesus as a leader to stand with them and be the face of their organization and give them yep. legitimacy. And he wouldn't because he was supposed to be a peaceful man of God. Um, again, assuming you know, if you're going to assume that, that that Jesus is a real person and all these events really transpired and all that, there's I know a lot of people are still on the fence about different things. We're not here to to say no. yes, he did, no, he didn't. That's not what we're doing. Just you know, if you accept that as something that that is a possibility, then that's how that was supposed to play out. Um, just a just a couple quick movie mentions because I want folks to to maybe watch a movie, The mm-hmm. Godfather. Once again, the the mafia is a secret society, um, and and I think that people don't don't see that only because 
they think, oh, they're just criminals, and all they do, they're, they're organized crime. They're not really about, like, esoteric knowledge and, and, and esoteric wisdom, but not all secret societies are. These guys were basically, hey, you know, and the thing is, like I, like I said at the beginning or the opening of the show, you can rise ranks in the mafia, and you can become, you know, a boss, an underboss, mm. you know, a capo. You can a become all man. these things. Yeah. And so in that aspect, it is a secret society. And the fact that Spider said, you know, if you talk, you, you might get, you might, you, you'll probably get killed, especially if you talk to the police. <laughs> because that was the one thing that they made apparent. In Italy, the La Costa Nostra said, you can't talk to police at all. If somebody's robbing your house, you can't call the cops. You have to handle it. We're family. And so it was because they're a family, they handle things in family. They don't need outside assistance from from the police. So um, the Godfather, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I I enjoyed that movie. It was a it was just basically um, some great literary characters like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Dorian Gray, uh, Captain Nemo, all in a secret society that fought evil. Mm. That was a pretty pretty good movie. I think Sean Connery was in that movie. Yep. Sean Connery thinking. again was in that movie. Um, and last but not least, The Order with Heath Ledger. And uh, he's a disgruntled priest named Alex Bernier. And he's an order called the Carolingians, who specialize in finding demons and other hell spawn. And there's a whole thing behind that about the Sin Eater. And it's a pretty decent movie. I saw it in the theater when it came out. And I enjoyed it for what it was back in 2003. I believe. Um, if you're looking for some music, Mozart's The Magic Flute. Check that out. Check the, Watch it. It's like two and a half hour opera, but it's not bad. And after you get done, you can listen to some Beethoven. <laughs> Avant-garde. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. And, um, and that's pretty much all the time we got. We only got a couple minutes. So um, all I'm going to say for final thoughts is uh, I, I do believe that there are... I mean, there's plenty of evidence that secret societies do exist, whether they're as fearsome or as like boogeyman like as people make them out to be i i still have some doubts but um if anybody out there is a member like a legitimate member and you want to seriously come onto the show and you're able to talk to us about some things i don't want to get you in trouble or get your tongue cut out you know things <laughs> like that and i certainly don't want you to try to cut my tongue out because i'm gonna fight and fighting on the air is gonna be messy so let's just come on and talk if there's things you can talk about and be like this is you know what yeah, we do publicly please. And uh, we're not that bad. By all means, come talk to us. I'll listen. Um, check us out on uh, This Uncanny Earth Facebook group. Uh, you can get a hold of us at This Uncanny Earth Official at gmail.com. If any of you out there want to get a hold of us and uh, be on the show, get a hold of me, get a hold of Spider. Mm. Uh, also, I have an Instagram page that I'll be starting up, or I should say we, but uh, I'll be getting that going so that we can have more kind of pictures and stuff like that kind of put that out there of uh one quick thing too if you want to make sure that you're always aware of when every episode is if you don't see us linking or if you're not a member of the group for whatever reason um make sure you go to our page on the let's talk about the media let's talk about the music uh radio page on spreaker which is what you're listening to it through right now you're on the platform right now if you're listening to the show there's going to be a button it's either yellow or gray depending on your device that says follow Hit that button. It will ask it. for your email uh, or your Facebook or whatever, and it will show up in your Facebook feed every time there's a show on the network. I mean, you're going to get re- alerts for the Wednesday show and the Friday show too, which uh, by all means, listen to all of them. We, all, we got a lot of good content. 
but you'll always know when we're on the air. You'll get an email reminder. You don't got to worry about somebody posting a link somewhere. You don't got to worry about any of that kind of stuff. All you got to do, hit that follow button. You'll always have that reminder in your newsfeed of the second we go live. And as for my final thoughts on secret societies, I find them to be utterly fascinating. Um, much like Spider, I don't think they're all this, these, uh, these world dominating. Um, <clears throat> we're going to come and, you know, take you and sacrifice you to Belal or, or Beelzebub in the middle of the night. Uh, or we're going to burn this giant owl. <laughs> well, they, they do, they do that. But I think a lot of them are good and they foster a lot of goodwill to other people. They, they kind of have a, a a place for folks that want to expand their consciousness, but at the same time meet other people who also want to expand their consciousness. Um, is there some evil secret societies? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, as, as many good ones, there's going to be some evil ones. But I think there's more good um, in secret societies than evil. And any secret society that, that grows in a, in a large number is going to have some, some controversies. It's going to have mm. some conflicts. It's going to have some things happen. Um so in terms of secret societies, they are it's a really cool topic. I recommend getting into it. Uh, and uh, as for me, it's been a great show. We pretty much talked through most of it. We didn't even really do a lot of the pop culture stuff we, we normally do towards the end. So um, for myself, uh, you know, stay as uncanny as you possibly can. And next week, we're, we're, we're going to put the group, uh, we're going to put the topic up in the group. Um, I'm going to discuss a little bit, see what we're going to talk about in the future for the next episode. So we will see you in a week. Have a good one, folks. That's right. Stay uncanny. We're out.